listening to ourselves uh, in those moments is incredibly difficult and yet so profoundly important because it's that, it's understanding where we are and where we want to be that helps us to take steps forward. Welcome to your Journey to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and I'm on a mission to help you find joy in the chaos of life. As a retired nurse, multi-passionate entrepreneur, and mom of four adult children, I know what it's like to feel the overwhelm of it all and wonder if and when the joy will show up again. And I've learned it's up to us to go find that joy. On this show, you will hear inspiring stories from those who have overcome all kinds of life challenges, tips on how to stay healthy and vibrant during the ups and downs of life, and simple ways on finding joy in your own life. Let's face it, life is messy, yet when we travel together on this journey, support and encourage each other along the way, that joy starts to show up again. I'm so excited to lead you on this journey of you to find the joyful life that you deserve. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, um, talking about joy, talking about finding things that bring us joy, and um, just also taking and taking care of ourselves in the meantime. And I am bringing to you today a new friend, uh, Deb Porter. I love her story. I love, as many, as I've said on this podcast, I love her story that's led to what she's doing and how she's helping others. Her and I share the uh, experience of being a caregiver for somebody in our life that has struggled. Deb's learned a lot from that. She's learned about the power of listening. There's a lot to be, (laughs) there's a lot to listen to um, as she speaks. And so um, there is such power in listening and what we can hear and how much um, the world doesn't listen uh, too much. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like, we're all so connected with social media and uh, seem to be talking that way, but nobody's really listening and connecting authentically. So I'm excited to have Deb here today. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Moira. I'm excited for our conversation. I am as well. Tell us a little bit. We always start with the story. So tell us a little bit about um, how you were put into this position of being a caregiver, a little bit different than my story, but um, very similar nonetheless in taking care of someone else that's you know, struggling in your in your life and um, kind of the things that you learn from that, um, the struggles of that. I'd love to start there. Sure. Uh, so my husband was um, diagnosed at the time we got pregnant with our daughter uh, with a genetic condition. And further on into our relationship, he became very, very, very ill as a result of this genetic condition. And so I found myself as a caregiver, as a spousal caregiver. It's, uh, I, I think that there's a common thread regardless of what type of caregiving you, you end up in, uh, whether it's for a child or for a spouse. Obviously, there are differences, of course, but there's a thread of the challenge of the difficulty of the, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed part of it. <laughs> that is <laughs> really um, the essence of caregiving. And um, anyway, so in terms of my story, um, for eight years, um, he was extremely ill and intensive care level kind of ill. He, in Thanksgiving of 2016, he was actually released directly from the hospital to my home rather than going to another floor, which is unheard of. But I was very determined to help him get better and find 
find health health again um, for for my kids mostly. Um, we have two kids together. I I worked at that and we did find some solution and he is he is now healthy and well and we it's amazing. It's is his health is is terrific now. But I know that's not many people's story. Um, some people don't get that uh, happy. And at, at least for him, in that way, our relationship actually dissolved at the end of that. Sadly, after 25 years, we had hoped that the the marriage would would grow. But so much had changed as a result of his illness that the marriage didn't sustain the transition back to health. So. And so, do you think do you think it was because of all the things that? happen and transpired because I've heard others speak about when there's a child that's very ill. Um, and I have a friend in particular who's, um, you know, son was ill, ended up passing from cancer, their marriage dissolved as well afterwards. So it seems to be that it might be something that, that happens often. 75% of um, people who are caregivers, actually their marriage is dissolved. They they aren't able to, they end a divorce. 75%. That's a huge percentage. Um, that's huge. That's a huge percentage. And in terms of um, if you have a child uh, who has died, that impact is also, I, I don't know the exact statistic on that, but I know it's more than 50%. It's a huge challenge to a relationship where two people are grieving and they may not know how to talk to each other anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly know that in our case, um, and our husband, my husband and I, we've been married for 30 years in June, and um, we're both very, very independent. And um, we work very well independently, kind of like side by side. He does the work stuff. And I mean, I do the work stuff too, but I was always home with the kids. And it was kind of like this happened and we just stayed in our lanes and then sometimes retreated to our corners because we didn't didn't really know how to talk about it. It was so, it's so scary. And so like, you're so lost and yes, certainly know that when we went to a, a parents program, if you will, or a, when our daughter was at a facility, we went out to Denver and spent a weekend there and got some education. We got to visit with her, but my husband said his favorite time was when we went to lunch and we sat in this, this, um, you know, really cool restaurant that had this huge kind of like communal table. And we sat, many of us sat across from each other. And it was really the first time that he spoke with other men, dads that had, that were going through the same thing that he was. Like I had gone to support groups. I mean, I was in the depths. I was again, like you said, determined to help my daughter. Right. And so I was much more closely involved, but he wasn't. And so that provided him some he was like, wow, I, that was my favorite part of the weekend to just yeah. feel like he wasn't alone and that he could hear somebody saying the same things that he was going through. And often, unless you're taking care of yourself that way, finding a support group, finding a therapist, or you and your husband or your spouse, whatever, going and spending time together and being vulnerable and talking about what's coming up, it's hard to be able to support each other and stay connected with that. It really is. It, it's There's a tendency to, as you said, retreat to your corners. And as soon as that communication breaks down, as soon as there's so much pain that there's not a reach to make that connection, uh, it can definitely tear people apart. And people are living in their pain uh, 
alone. And that that's that's so sad mm-hmm. when there's connections to be made. And and it start I think it starts by listening, right? Your husband sitting at that table, there was an, an aspect for him where he felt seen and heard, or he wouldn't have been able to articulate that to you later. He felt seen and heard in that experience. And that's so beautiful. That's what all of us need is to be seen and heard for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's a blame game, there's a shame, there's all of that kind of stuff that goes on. Um, and um, again, it's really scary when you have somebody in your life that you love that's struggling and that's either, you know, does pass or they, I mean, I got together with this girlfriend of mine who I just mentioned. Um, we had known each other for quite some time and through church and uh, women's club and things like that. And her hus- her son had passed and my daughter was you know, is still around, but was in just a terrible time in her health. And we talked about, I said, I want to talk to you about like losing your child. Like, and we do have a beautiful podcast about grief and the, the, the power, you know, just grief and what that means. I I did interview her, but it was like, I said, I feel like I've lost my daughter. Yeah. You know, even though she was still alive, I feel like I lost her to this terrible mental health disorder. And she, you know, and I hope that I get her back. And I said, I know you can't get your son back and you'll see her get him again someday. But it's just like that. You lose your, you lose your, you're losing connection. You're losing your child or your spouse or whatever. And um, we talked about you grieving for a life that you wish you had. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, and I think that those are important, <laughs> you know, I mean, those are important conversations to have. I think regardless if you lose your spouse or your child or you separate or you're, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, again, I um, have mentioned this a few times on this podcast. Like I went on a housewalk when my daughter was in high school, but not at home. She was in a treatment place. And so I went with some friends and we went, you know, we have beautiful homes in the town that I live in and a beautiful fundraising housewalk. And, you know, there are kids from the high school, like, um, what is it called? Key club or something like that, who volunteered. There's just lots of people that I knew at the different homes, the moms, the kids and things like that. It was lovely. It was a lovely day. And I got in my car and I just immediately started to cry. And I didn't know what that was coming up, but I was working with a therapist at the time and I spoke with her about it. And she said, you know, we often, because I did say, you know, I see these moms with their daughters and the kids together that, you know, my daughter's age and all that. And she said, there is this, you know, she said, don't, you know, not everything's bright on the other side, right? It may appear that it's really great, but you also perhaps are grieving for something that you wish you had, you know? And for sure, I wish that she was there. I wish she could have spent that time with me. And um, these days when she's home and doing better, I feel like we're making up for that lost time. Like, let's go do this. Let's go do this. But there is that grieving part that perhaps even when they're sick, maybe you can speak to that. When they're sick, you can't, do the things that you hoped that you could do with your spouse, your child, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I remember two specific instances um, where I really relate to that. I remember walking in a mall and I saw a couple holding hands walking through the mall and I just had to sit down on a bench and try to gain my composure because I was not okay. It was That was something that we used to do and he was not, uh, he was not capable of walking. And so if he went out, it was in a wheelchair. And so there was not that, that connection and, and the, just the poignancy of seeing what what no longer is is and not knowing if it's coming back and that fear that comes with that so hard and then another time I was um, I was on a 
um, a retreat for myself. I had I had gotten some help finally and had stepped away, trying to replenish myself, aware that I needed to get some <laughs> um, get myself back because I was falling apart. Um, and I went to a restaurant by myself. And I ordered dessert and we always share and I could only eat half of it. And the, the other half was left. And I was like, that's something that we shared. And that was just so difficult to be present to this. This is left and this is how it is. And there is that loss and confronting that. I think listening to ourselves in those moments is incredibly difficult and yet so profoundly important because it's that, it's understanding where we are and where we want to be that helps us to take steps forward. Yeah. So how did it transition into, again, your your business, which is all about listening and um, hold is what you, I'd love for you to just give us the, um, how that came about and really what the purpose and your mission is, if you will, of your your business and what you're doing now. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so HOLD is uh, an acronym for Hearing Out Life Drama. Uh, uh, I really loved it because at holding space, I think that's uh, what's so important is to hold space with people. Uh, family and friends, when I was in the midst of all of the difficulty with the caregiving, they wanted to be helpful. They they thought they were listening, but instead a lot of times what they did was they gave advice or they would be so overwhelmed with their own feelings they couldn't stay with mine. And so then they would talk about themselves and that's not listening. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's really not listening. I, uh, and I love them all so much and it's no judgment, but we were not taught. If you stop and think for a moment, were you ever taught listening in school? Most people can say, no, I wasn't. Oh my God. No, I wasn't. I was told to listen, but I wasn't taught how. And so hold is really about holding space with people. And so we teach active listening as well as um, offering listening appointments for those that just really need someone outside their family, friends, or coworkers who might be too close to the problem or, or worse are the problem and need someone to really listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think we're taught to be quiet. We are, you know, when we're growing up, it's like, you just shush, be quiet, that kind of thing. But it's not, it's really a matter of want you to be quiet and shut down and, you know, again, not be quiet so that you can listen. It's just, you shut up kind of thing. But but that leads to the separate corners like you're talking about with you and your spouse, right? Right. Like, then you're off in your different corners and you're not making that connection. When you're just quiet, it's not um it's it's very being quiet is very different than listening. Obviously mm -hmm. when you're listening you're 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 attentive. Um one of the things that if I can teach anybody anything about listening, the one tip I would really love to offer today is so often people will start in and go, and I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do. And people just automatically jump in and say, well, have you tried this? Or how about, I, how about this? And they have all of these ideas. But if instead people will simply take a step and take a breath and say, I heard you say, all of these things. And I hear what's coming out of that. I hear the pain. I hear whatever it is, the anger, whatever emotion that you just heard. If you reflect that back and say, I heard you say that, are you really looking for a solution right now? Or did you just need to be heard? And just offer that and then just stop and wait and see what they say. Because if you do that, you offer them the opportunity to move beyond where they are instead of staying stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, we often um, say with um, 
with my business and coaching other people and um, other women. And sometimes you get on the phone and somebody just wants to empty their bucket. Yep. And so we talk about that. It's like, you know, I'll be coaching women and they'll talk about something like, okay, let's just talk, you know, do you want to just, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you say this, let's just kind of talk about this or I'll listen. You can empty your bucket for the first five minutes or so, and then let's get to work, right? You kind of set that, I've learned to set that boundary and, you know, with others, but also with myself too, because I found that when things were really bad and I'd talk, you know, and they'd give somebody a call or somebody would call me and how's this, and then I would go on and on and on. And it's like, the more you talk, it seems like the worse it is. And you just can't seem to get out of that cycle of the grief and the yuck and all of that. Um, so I've learned to set that boundary with myself that if I just say, and if someone says, how are things and how is your daughter and how is life or whatever, it's like, I'm choosing what I'm It's like, Hey, it's good. Or if they say, well, how, it's like, you know what? And I would say that for my daughter and it's like, you know what? Things aren't the greatest now, but I don't really want to talk about that now. Really what I want to do. I called you because of this, or how about we do this and being able to, like you said, actively listen to somebody, but give them the opportunity to empty their bucket. We say that, yep. I say that a lot with my, um, couple of my girlfriends, like, I'm just calling you to empty my bucket a little bit. Okay. I just need to talk about this uh, and then we can move on to what we were going to do or what we we're going to say. Yeah. It's a beautiful way that you can, again, hold space for somebody, just empty it. Cause sometimes emptying it out is enough that you need that day. And then you can, and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not looking for you to solve anything or fix anything. I just want right. to dump it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because when we dump it, then it releases it and it allows us to move on. It, it's like, um, it's almost like a river, right? You can block it all up or you can let it flow. And emotions are are fluid, they're energy and they move through us. And so allowing that to move through, uh, it's better not to stay stuck. Um, certainly, uh, I, I do believe you were talking about, you know, having the intention of, I don't want to talk about that. That's okay too. If somebody doesn't want to talk about that, that's, that's really, and in terms of being a caregiver, oh my God, sometimes I didn't. Sometimes it was so bad. I just did not want to go there. I was like, oh my, mm. please, let's not. <laughs> I know, I know you care about me, but let's not. I know, but like you said, some people just don't understand. I mean, people don't understand eating disorders or mental illness. Yeah. They don't, you know, they, if they haven't gone through it or they just don't understand. So they don't, and it's such an insidious, nasty disorder that it doesn't make sense. And so it's kind of like, you know, just, they, they don't know what to say. Or um, like you said, try this, try this. It's like, I don't, I just don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> but it is that, you know, I learned that too with my daughter when she would make a phone call and Somebody said this to me, you know, that often our children or our, you know, our, our children in this particular case, they reach out to the one that they feel safest with, mm -hmm. you know, when they're struggling. Although it seems like when they're struggling and then they call you and then they're just blah, 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 mom and this and mom and this, you're kind of like, why are you calling me? But it's because they're calling you because they feel safe with you. But I also learned with my kids to say, okay, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So how can I support you? Do you just want to share this with me? Right. Or is there something that I can do? How can I help you with this? Yeah. Kind of thing. And just giving them, because otherwise it is kind of this, or it's like, okay, I think I'm done with this conversation because you keep doing this and this. And I just, I'd love to, can we change the subject or can we just end the conversation? And it's a hard thing. Cause you're like, Oh, I don't, I think they want it to, but it's like, 
I would get off the phone sometimes and they're just like, I got to go for a walk or I got to have a glass of wine. It was just such a, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. why is she calling me? Why is he calling me? You know, so it's tough, but learning to set those boundaries to say, okay, I hear you, but what can I do to support you? Or can we ch- change the subject? Or I, I just, I think we should just end the conversation. I think it matters very much to know what the other person needs. I think if they're not ready to end the conversation, if we can manage to manage ourselves, and that's why I talk about the C of of the core in listening. Um, we have a, a core that we talk about. This the C stands for calm and centeredness, right? As soon as we start to get pulled off of our center, that's where we want to end the conversation. We're pulled off of, oh my God, I don't know what to do next with this. And and what if it's really okay to not know what to do next? What if you can just sit in yourself and know that everything is working out for them? Everything is working out for you. Everything really is okay in this moment, even though might not feel like it. Everything is working out. And so if you can just stay with that and then know what they want, do do they just need to know, hey, I love you? Or if they want to problem solve, then it's okay to do that. But Sometimes sitting in the silence, um, that is another piece of listening that's so important and so many people don't know how to do it because they get uncomfortable with those emotions. They don't know how to stay calm and centered and just hold that space. So do you think it's because people just haven't been taught how to listen or there's something else going on in the world right now? Or, you know, because you talk about what on your LinkedIn profile, like helping the what is it? 85% or 90? There's like a certain percentage you 98%. Yeah. 98%. It's a crazy percentage. Yeah. Yeah. 98% don't know how to actively listen. They they've never been taught. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't know how to stay calm. They don't know how to establish an outcome, which is what we were just talking about. The outcome that the other person won. We were just, we were just touching on that. The outcome, they don't know how to relate, uh, uh, to, to really stay focused and not get distracted with all of the other things that are coming at them and just stay present in the conversation. And, and then the empathy, empathizing, empathizing and, and reflecting back, holding up that mirror to, you know, this is what I heard you say. This is the feeling I hear. Is that right? Is that right? And if it's not, they'll tell you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I went through a um, uh, weekend, well, a few weekends, but a first weekend course of something here locally called uh, Pathways for Better Living. And um, it was, if anybody's done uh, land any landmark education, it's similar to that, although landmark's very head-centered and this is very heart-centered. And one thing for sure that I learned in there is that just what you said in the beginning, everybody wants to be seen and heard and appreciated. And, um, and we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to like, look at something visually and say, and make a judgment of that. And I was guilty for that with some of the exercises that we did there, just some of the, and I apologized to a guy towards the end of this. And I said, you know, I made this snap judgment with the way that you looked, the way that you smelled. And he ended up being just a wonderful wonderful guy. And, um, but another exercise that we did that I thought was so profound too, to keep in mind when we're thinking about the active listening is just the idea of a notebook. Like if you hold up a notebook, right. And I've got one, people aren't seeing this, but I've got, you know, there's a green cover and then a white back. And so you hold up the notebook and the people were, one person was on each side of the notebook. And so she went through this exercise. Like, okay. So Moira, what do you see? Well, I see green. Okay. Deb, what do you see? White. I see white. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I keep talking about green, green, green all day. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 it's white, 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 white. And it's like, 
many times we just have to get to the other side of the notebook. Can we go to the other side of the notebook and see what they see? It's like very, it's a simple thing, but it's so profound because often we're just so stuck in, it's always green. It's always green. And you're going to be like, it's always white. But if we can just come around to the other side, if you will. That's powerful. Yeah, it's really good. Take a look at how other people are looking at things. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skincare, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. You know, what are some things that people can do to learn about active listening or learn about listening or holding space? Or what are some of the, you know, are there there books? Are there things that you recommend besides, again, working with someone like you um, and what you provide? There's an excellent book by Mark Goulston called Just Listen. And uh, he he has a terrific book. Um, there's an, a new book out called The Listening Shift. Uh, I'm still working my way through that one. Um, that one is a bit more business focused, but I feel like it's also really good. Um, and ultimately, uh, way back in the 90s, Daniel Goldman, Gold, Goldman? Goldman. Um, he he was the person that wrote uh, em- the book on emotional intelligence. Hmm. And that particular book, Emotional Intelligence, if you haven't heard of it, if you haven't read it, it's super, super powerful. And um, that I would I would also highly recommend because emotional intelligence is really reflected in, in how we listen. Yeah, that seems to be a buzzword these days. And I'm not sure that everybody really understands what emotional intelligence is exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, emotional intelligence is is really understanding, um, being able to hold on to yourself in the midst of of conversation with another. It it really is it really is that yeah. mm-hmm. being able to handle and and manage your regulation. Um, I, are you familiar with the term regulation? If I say that, is that going to resonate with your listeners? Emotional regulation. Well, I think so. And again, if people have listened to. Um, or been involved with, again, any type of therapy or treatment or, you know, your emotions are so unregulated, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's really what emotional intelligence is. Can I handle my emotional regulation and keep that in the midst of myself and when I'm interacting with others? That's what emotional intelligence is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's again, learning that and um, learning to is to to do it without sans anything else, you know, things that are because often that's what we we do, be it that we have an active addiction or we just have different habits that we go to to kind of soothe ourselves through those those times. And there can be great self-soothing uh, exercises or activities, and there can be other ones that are just yes, they block that out to the point that we just 
we can't deal with it. So we're just going to block it out yeah, or numb it out. That kind of thing. Really good. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. <laughs> and that's, and that's why emotional intelligence is being talked about now. That's why it's coming. I think more, you might be hearing it more and more coming to the floor because there's, um, there's an awareness that that is what we need to do in order to n- not move to those coping mechanisms that are unhealthy. Well, and you talk about, you know, again, the hearing out life's drama, you know, I switched the the name of my podcast from juggling the chaos of recovery over to your journey to joy, because mm-hmm. I really want to focus on being intentional and finding things that bring us joy. Yet I always, I still say that there's always going to be some chaos, right? And there's sure. always going to be some drama that requires some juggling or some yep. listening. And the better we can get at that, then I think the more we can move towards having a joyful life. Absolutely. Joy joy is available. I know that being a caregiver and being in the throes of that every day, I really tried to look for what is there good in this moment? How Find the good. I always said that. Find the good, find the good, find the good. And if I looked, I could all almost always find something about where I was. It might just be the hot water that I was using to wash my hands with when before I had to give another shot. It might have been that. You know, it might have been something so so basic and so simple. It might be that you know my dog was right there licking my face. It might have been um, you know a smile that my kid gave me as they were you know going out out the door. Um, but we can we can find some good and and the, and find the joy and that doesn't have to be a big thing. It just, it can be small, um, but it it's our connection that can ground us and um, connect us to something larger. I know you have a faith background too, so. Well, and I think that's it's a great message to in the midst of this chaos, finding things that just find the good, like you said, just find that even if it's you go outside and you're just like, wow, I'm just so glad the sun's shining today. Or, I mean, I love this time of year and the birds sing in the morning and I love to go outside for my morning time because I love to listen to the birds and I fill up my bird feeder. And um, that just is such a, yeah. a wonderful time for me. And it's, again, the good of the day before it even starts, but finding finding the good again, so important. And like you said, it doesn't have to be large and big and things, but just trying to, for those that are listening that are in the midst of like, this is just hell that I'm in. Yeah. You know, can you take a deep breath and just say, even just say, you know what, I'm thankful for my health. Yeah. Even though this person is struggling or I'm happy that I have a house that's paid for that I can sleep a bed that I can sleep in, you know, those kind of things. We just can't, take those things too lightly. I mean, that's yeah. some of those little things are just so important, like you said, to keep us grounded in the midst of life's drama. Absolutely. Yeah. How was your health during that time? Like, I mean, this is a <laughs> podcast for another day, but I mean, there's a, <laughs> I hear you laughing. So I'll wait and I'll let you answer. But, but I have a book that talks about telomeres and aging and they talk about that. And um, the study that she did to study telomere length, if you know about telomeres and aging, and she did a study with caregivers of people with chronically ill children. And I was like, wow, because they had the most impact of stress on their health, you know? So how was your health during those eight years? (laughs) Uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So there's a statistic that says if you're a caregiver, 
for, um, so in my experience, it was eight years. It takes more than double, more than double that time for you to heal from that experience. Mm. That in my experience is true. Uh, my, my health did indeed suffer. You know, I, I went through a lot of different different things came up through that time. I had acid reflux. I lost my voice. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, which I, besides being a listener, it's also very indicative, right, of not being able to to have your voice. Like, there's a message there in that for me. Yes. Like, I guess like, the universe is giving me some some knowledge, and this is why I started laughing. We said, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have to find my voice. Have to have to find my voice because I am drowning here in this caregiving because I. I, where where am I? Because I'm so overwhelmed with all of the things. And so, yes, 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 yeah. indeed. Well, and I found that myself, you know, in the midst of all of that, you know, I'm the, I'm the retired nurse and the one that helps people live healthy lives and build your healthy life. And I was going down Yeah, and it wasn't, and I had to, the things that I was trying, the things that I knew weren't working. And so I reached out to my, some of my trusted advisors, if you will, and said, okay, can you just like, this isn't working. And I want that message to be out there that like, again, you do need to stress has a, can have a terrible impact on your health and your adrenals and your, all of your systems and things like that. And, um, and there's hope because I was able to learn about adrenal fatigue and about adaptogenic herbs and about meditation and about, mindfulness and journaling and things like that. And I slowly started to feel better and feel like I was able to combat that stress more. Because again, we can't always control the drama in our life or the, the the chaos, but yet what we can do is control what we do to take care of ourselves. Love that. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And, and then to, to realize that is the piece that we own and to take steps to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. The adrenals, <laughs> they took a hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And any, and it's going to be true of any caregiver because that stress, long-term stress and the long-term stress um, too, it, that can create depression as a result of the adrenal fatigue. Then, then all, you know, it's like a domino effect. Once the stuff gets started, it's like, how do you pick up the domino some when it's going to try and interrupt it? But that, we, we all, that's our responsibility. That's, that's our journey. And we have control of that. We can. And, and mm-hmm. when we do, um, we get back to eventually that joy you were talking about. It's possible. And I really want to make sure people hear that today mm-hmm. as they come to the end of this. I, joy is possible. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do and, and it, it, you can get there. Don't give up. Right. Well, like you said, it's owning that and realizing and noticing and okay, then what can I do with this? Um, I can't control this, but what can I control? What can I, yep. what can I do? And if you're, again, we talked about emptying your bucket, you know, somebody said to me about, um, about journaling this week, they said, you know, it's a way for us to listen to ourselves. So I think that's why I love journaling. If you can open up your book, you know, or just get a piece of paper and a pen when you're just not feeling the greatest and you're just so overwhelmed, just start writing like, man. I, this sucks. Da, 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 da. And it just, you start writing and it's a way for you to listen to yourself. And then you can again, notice, and maybe just, maybe that's all you needed was to empty your bucket onto your piece of paper, but maybe it helped you. For me, it helps me kind of realize things and kind of process through and like, oh, okay. I, I see it. I see it this way now. And um, it's a powerful tool. It is. I agree. Where can people, um, 
I know I'm going to wrap it up because we talked about we could talk for so long. We could. (laughs) We really could. I love that we got connected because um, we share so many the same thoughts and and wait, you know, again, passions to help other other people in this because you said this is possible. It's possible to get out of the muck um, and the yuck. And um, and there's sometimes we just got to sit there. But having that um, never giving up hope that the joy is there and possible. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and learn about your programs or the things that you do to help people? Our website is www.hearingoutlifedrama.com. If you prefer social media, we're on all the channels at Hearing Out Life Drama, including TikTok. (laughs) So wherever people like to find YouTube, you name it, we're there. Um, We we even tried Snapchat for a while. (laughs) But I don't post regularly there. (laughs) So. The only thing I do on Snapchat is uh, my daughter-in-law created a um, G squad at uh, Christmas time. And so it's the Gorski squad. And that's where we just have all my kids and, you know, my daughter-in-law. And so we just post pictures of the dogs and the home renovations and the yeah food and stuff like that. So, but um, yeah, but yeah, thank you for sharing uh, that. That'll all be in the uh, show notes as well to find you um again can't say enough about just this idea of let's slow down a little bit somebody said to me once many times like we were given two ears and one mouth so that should give us a little bit of an indication of what we should be using more than the other right <laughs> is to listen and um so any last words for for my audience today Oh, thank you so much. If you stayed with us this long, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, And I just sincerely hope you have what you need. If it's a struggle for you right now, just just remember there there is hope and you can find it. I believe that. Uh, I believe that because I've lived that. And so I know it's true. And I shared with someone who um, I spoke with this week as well is that we become experts by experience. We may not have some of the letters behind our names that give us all those credentials and schooling, but because of what you and I have gone through, we are experts by experience and we have that passion to help other people. Uh, That was the reason for the podcast and continues to be that I want people to know that there is hope. They're not alone in their struggles, but we can learn from each other and we continue to share our stories so that other people can have that hope. So Deb, thanks so much for being with me today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Moira. Yeah. This was delightful. Thank you. And thank you listeners for coming and listening again. If you've been, if you've listened this long, thank you, but make sure that you pass it on to others so that they can, again, get these powerful words from Deb and myself and uh, know that there's, um, there's a life out there worth living that's filled with joy. And sometimes it just takes us being quiet and listening. So we'll catch you next time. Hey there, ready to live a more joyful life? Considering connecting with someone who can help you? If so, I'd like to be that person. I offer a free consultation where we determine where the chaos is in your life and how you can learn to bring more joy each and every day. Visit my website, moiragorski.com, or simply email me, moira at moiragorski.com, with more joy in the subject line. I look forward to connecting, and I'm here to say there will always be some chaos, which requires a little juggling, but you can find joy and live your life intentionally filled with that joy. Let me help you on your journey to joy. And that's joy, the journey of you.